We're spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they anything, get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the marbles We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles In the marbles Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. I am one half of the podcast, Soda. You can follow me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter. I'm the other half, Ethan. And you can follow me on Twitter at Viva La Ethan. And we had a pretty big weekend this weekend. This was Talladega weekend. This is always one of my favorite weekends uh, to watch racing. But first off, um, how you doing, man? Anything changed since last week? Anything new? Man, I'm good. Uh just about to crack open this rowdy energy uh right before going to bed so that's pretty exciting <laughs> um i did win 500 bucks on a lottery ticket so that's pretty cool um yeah that's awesome i uh do not have a rowdy energy i have a bang because my rowdy energy is not in the not coming in the mail yet it's coming later today as we record nice. i thought it was here but turns out what was actually on my front door was an alexa bliss ultimate edition which is amazing I got it from target.com before it got the stores, but this isn't a wrestling podcast, but who cares? It's Jealous. an a- excellent figure. I love it. So I'm, I'm drinking peach mango bang. That's my deal. Oh, there you go. And you said you won 500 bucks on a lottery ticket. I play DraftKings this week. And I won a dollar 50. Well, considerably less bad. than I spent. I, I usually go about 10 to 15 bucks <laughs> a week on it, but, but I will that's say it bad. was looking good until a crash that took out pretty much one person out of each of my lineup. Because I had several different lineups. I don't just put all, you know, 10 to $15 into one lineup. I usually spread it out. Like 4 or $5 games, a $4 game, a $3 game, something like that. Oh, for sure. That way I can hedge my bets on at least one being decent. And if one's really decent, then I might have a really good day. This particular wreck took out one out of every single one of my lineups. So best I could do is come back for about $1.50 at the end of it. But I was looking oh. good before then. I was up in the top... Uh, top 30 or 40 of one of these 40,000 people games. Yeah. And it was looking good for a minute, but Talladega happened. Heartbreaker. It's not as bad as what I've had happen before with DraftKings. Real quick, it, it actually happened at the track coming up that we'll get into at the end of the podcast here, the Dover track. It was a free $20 coupon to play for DraftKings. And I was like, okay, cool. So I put a few bets in. And this one lineup I had was constantly first. And uh-huh. a $20,000 game, constantly first. And sometimes it was tied with first. Sometimes it was all by itself. So sometimes it would say I was winning five grand. Sometimes it was, I was winning 15 grand. Sometimes I was winning 20 grand. But it stayed first from like segment, maybe like since after the first quarter of the race, all the way to the last quarter of the race. It was first. And then oh, Kurt Busch came in the pits on the last pit stop and lost six spots. And I finished 12th. I still did good. I won 300 bucks on Yeah. It, but... Wow. $20,000 was on the line for Kurt Busch. Just his crew did not mess up. You know, you know whose fault that is? It's not Kurt Busch's fault. It's not his crew's fault. You know whose fault it is? What's that? Joey Logano. Well, that was it was his fault this week. He couldn't hold a straight wheel. 
I'll tell you what, down goes Logano. I swear. And I know some people were blaming Truex, I think, for like slowing the outside lineup or something. I didn't see that. I just saw everybody was pushing everybody and Logano couldn't hang on to it. Was that Truex or was that Dylan? You know, I don't know. I thought it was Truex. I think it was, I thought it was, I think it was Dylan. I thought it was Truex, but it could have been Dylan. They both had Bass. Dale Jr. even made that mistake once on the broadcast. Yeah. They both had Bass Pro on their car. I thought it was true, Austin, but it could have been either one. Yeah, Austin Dillon finished second, so I, I wonder if it's Austin Dillon. I thought the Toyota – let's go on into Talladega. I thought the right. Toyota <laughs> group would be better than they were. They seem to have some handling problems, like some um, some suspension issues. Where I think some of them were bouncing a little too much or, or something. They were they had something going on. I know Hamlin was in the pits a lot with the hood up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you uh, happen to watch qualifying? I did not get to watch qualifying. Saturday, we were out, uh, out of the house all day long. I couldn't even watch the Xfinity race until 10 p.m. that night. Yeah. Um, during qualifying, I was able to watch that, and they would do a, like kind of a slow-mo throughout the turns, and you could see the splitter mm. um, just totally bouncing off the racetrack. It was very a lot more bouncy than what I thought Talladega was. Yeah, Talladega's not, not rough. Not from my experience, but that was like 10, 12 years ago. But yeah. Talladega is not a rough track. I think there actually is a bump going in. There's a good size bump going into three mm-hmm. because a bunch of them are actually saying on the broadcast, I'm okay with you pushing me anywhere on this track, but don't push me going into three. Wait till after the bump. Right. And you could see it. I, I noticed it a few times. How the whole field would just kind of, you know, just jump a little bit right going. I, as I physically jump on an audio format to illustrate yeah. my point. Um, right. <laughs> yeah you could see like the whole field just kind of hopped a little bit before they got to three and i understand you don't want to buy pushing you right there and i think for the most part they did a good job with that there wasn't that much of an issue with the bump drafting i uh, so i was kind of watching and it's very interesting with this next gen new car because i don't feel like the bumpers line up they don't. For anybody besides the Fords. I know the, that Mustang front end is really kind of flat. Um, so, like, you can push someone a lot easier, you know. But when you think of the Chevy, it has that point to it, the same way with the, the Camrys. So, I think Fords, ha- in my opinion, had a little bit more of an advantage when it came to drafting, when it came to bump drafting uh, throughout the weekend. Who won the race? Chastain. You don't remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. God. So, so many of these things, they they, they blur together Chevy. a lot. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand that completely because I can't even tell you how many Talladega races I've been to. I was going to talk about that in a little <laughs> bit. Um, I was trying to figure out who won all the races I saw, and I can only name like three. I actually have them all. It's like for me, I have them all listed from any sort of NASCAR-sanctioned event from like trucks, ARCA, Cup, Xfinity. I have them all written down. The date I went, who won the race, like <laughs> – yeah, it was, it's I awesome. should have done that. <laughs> I have been to a couple of Bush Series, I think, at the time races, and a uh-huh. couple of Arca races at Talladega. Um, I don't think I've been to a truck race, but oh man, you have to. Yeah, so I love cool. the trucks draft really, really well, and they're fun to watch at Daytona yes. and Talladega. I've been to a few of these races. I've I had to I've I had to have been to at least six or seven cup races at Talladega, but they all blur together. But that I'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, this particular race, yeah, I think you're 
you got something there with the Fords. The Fords mm-hmm. front ends, they may be better behind somebody and pushing and shoving, but I think the Toyotas and Chevys are where it's at when it comes to leading the draft. Oh, yeah. Like if a Ford sure. gets out front, I think the front end's a disadvantage, but a Ford's going to push you to the front. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I couldn't say it better myself. That was, uh, that's exactly what pretty much happened. Every time we'd see a Ford take the lead, uh, whether it was the lead of a, a of a pack racing or like the actual lead of the of the race um we kind of saw them struggle a little bit mm-hmm. i know chevy's um you know with eric jones and uh ross chastain wasn't really in the lead he was up um, front until, the whole time though yeah I mean, he, him and he was up front. yeah yeah he, he was up front for most of the race yeah i think the chevy's really came out to play the toyotas as well the toyotas as well toyotas, i mean it's yeah. just it's certain gibbs cars had issues but yeah, Kyle Busch really didn't seem like he had that big of an issue. He stayed relatively between mid to front pack as it, it, as much as he could at something like Daytona and Talladega yeah. because this isn't his forte. You know, it right. isn't his specialty. Yeah. His specialty is a mile and a half, short tracks, things like that. Um, Granted, racing on dirt's not his forte. It's either, not, but, but Bristol <laughs> is his is his specialty. <laughs> that's, He's a that is. I mean. True. I feel like even Rusty Wallace would have went on dirt at Bristol. Yeah, that's true. And he was a master at Bristol, North Wilkesboro, Martinsville, Richmond, all these tracks. That, those were his tracks. Yeah. When 2311 Racing got up there, which is Bubba Wallace in the 23 and the uh, Kurt Busch in the 45, they stayed up there. Yes. And now I will say there was a Ford that really, really stood out, and that was Blaney. Yeah. He stood out, but also I feel like, that was mostly because Bubba Wallace was friends with Blaney, you know, and he didn't want to uh, pass him and, and knock him to the back. You know, I think that was more of him. I mean, he stayed near the front, but he he led a section of it with his best friend behind him. That's true, but I don't know. I Let me tell you something. If that's my best friend, sorry, guys, <laughs> you are headed straight to the it's, back. But it's mid-race. Right. If, exactly. if you're just riding, trying to stay up front out of trouble, mid-race, I, I could see that, especially Bubba Wallace, knowing he has a good car, and it kind of felt like he could have passed him anytime he wanted to. It yeah. may be time to give Bubba Wallace a little bit of credit when it comes to these super speedway races because he always seems to be up there. And I know a lot of I that mean, is car, but it, a lot of it is also because the car's not there any other time. Right. The car's not there for Martinsville or Kansas or anywhere else. You know, I mean, he's mid pack. On a good day, yeah, he's absolutely. 12th, you know? And yeah, absolutely. Somehow with these super speedways, it always seems like he's up there. He's always fighting for the lead up there in the top five, top 10, and he's, for the most part, really good at it. So it, he might just be one of these drivers that just takes to it really, really well, understands it a little bit more than uh, than some of these other ones do. Oh, I totally agree with you, especially on super speedways. Uh, when it comes to intermediate, you know, the – mile and a half the mile uh long race tracks is just not really there at least not yet you know the beautiful thing about the next gen race cars that we're experiencing right now in this season is that we don't know what's going to happen at the next track this is all brand new to us you know we talk about going to talladega that wasn't the first super speedway we went to with this new car but it was the first time we went to talladega and it was different and like yeah like we were talking about in episode one there's a massive difference between daytona and talladega same concept different way different racetrack um, so like from here on out, you know, um, at least thus far in the season, we haven't seen Bubba Wallace perform the way I'm sure that Toyota or Denny Hamlin would like to see him perform at. But that doesn't mean that he, you know, couldn't pull off 
you know, a win at a mile and a half or an intermediate track. As long as in one fell swoop, Kyle Larson doesn't take out both team members in one wreck at the end of the race. <laughs> no joke. Um, <laughs> I had the pick, man. I had it. I had it. He was ahead of you, but yeah, Talladega happened. Um, I was about to eat my words, man. but yeah, especially right. It was really cool because it looked like through most of the race because you picked Ryan Blaney, I picked Bob Wallace. Most of the race, they were running one two. And I was yeah. like, man, we yeah. look like geniuses. We look yeah, like we know exactly. what we're talking about. In reality, we don't know what yeah. we're talking about. We're just guessing as we go. It's so hard Aha. to pick and bet on anything when it comes to NASCAR because uh, there's so many variables. It really is. And, you know, I was trying to tell this to some coworkers that I work with, you know, people that one particular person is a big football, baseball fan, you know, and she's she doesn't really understand, you know, the concept of like going left turn and all that stuff. And I, I explained to her, you know, when you're watching like a stick and ball sport, you know, you have the way more highs and lows. You know, if you're watching basketball, the other team makes a basket. No, no, you know, and then your team makes it. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, with NASCAR and racing in general, it's not, it's not really like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, woo, I just led lap 142 out of 500 laps. You know, it's not like that. And, and the, the chances of your driver, your favorite driver winning that, <laughs> that race is almost unlikely mm -hmm. you know so it's it's very uh almost hard to explain the concept of fandom in nascar and or racing i'm gonna say this real quick and i want to talk about the drafting at talladega real quick when i was a kid in 1994 the first year they went to brickyard uh, i remember distinctly my aunt betting on a on a race and uh -huh. she picked ernie Irvin to win the brickyard 400 okay and good pick he was tearing yeah. it up in 94 in that 28 oh, absolutely car. and he uh he wound up dominating that race he dominated and mm. then after the last pit stops maybe like i don't even remember under 20 to go i think he blew a tire oh yeah jeff gordon won the yeah. race he was the first yes, brickyard sir. 400 winner and you you can't predict it i mean you can pick the absolute best guy with the best odds but that one guy runs over one little random piece of metal that fell somewhere. Yep. His whole day's ruined and yep. it costs him hundreds of thousands of dollars and it costs you 50 bucks or whatever, you know, whatever you put into it. It's just, it's so but, funny. There's so many random little things that happen that way. Like an air, an air gun on pit road. It could yeah. jam. Like at one point, Bubba Wallace was leading the race. He come down pit road. And when he left, he was still up front. But then they said, come back in. You got a loose wheel. Well, you can't, right. you can't run out there with a loose wheel. If that wheel comes off. That's a huge fine nowadays. Yeah. Which we saw especially, a couple of them. Yeah. Especially after we changed uh, from the five lug nuts to just the one. Yeah. It's, it's a big safety thing. And a lot of them are complaining that the actual wrench that's provided by NASCAR isn't strong enough. So they're having issues actually keeping that, that lug nut tight, which is yeah. in turn making, you know, two or three cars a race, lose a wheel on the racetrack. Unless you're Joe Gibbs racing and go and somehow hire people to create one of your own. Like, I don't know exactly what happened, but I, I guess they went and, 
hired engineers to build them a tire changer gun. Oh, see, I thought that it was all provided by NASCAR, though. So the guidelines were. Okay. As far as, you know, they have their rules and expectations that you can't exceed. Yeah. But Joe Racing spent a very large fortune on buying all these. Exactly uh, what NASCAR wants them to not do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And what's funny is with Joe Gibbs Racing is in the Xfinity series, they still run on the five lug nut mm-hmm. tires. Yeah. In cups, it's just one. So Joe Gibbs Racing does not allow pit crew members to work Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You don't want to yeah, um, totally. you don't want to mess up your rhythm for either one of them. Even Absolutely. though you really don't need a rhythm for the one lug, you just put it on there and loosen it and put it back on. I mean it's right. I feel like actually the more I think about it, I feel like it's a non issue that they're going overboard with. But you know, it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. I want to talk about the drafting real quick at Talladega. You talked about Daytona uh-huh. and Talladega being completely different and but the same. They're like exactly the same, but they're completely different. Yeah. They are. And and we sh- and it showed this week uh with the drafting on this new car. I don't remember there being an issue with the last place car losing the draft at Daytona. I remember it being pretty okay. Like everybody's pretty much bunched up, but they're not in a they're not in a crazy wide. You know, they're just they're all bunched mm-hmm. up the way they normally are, and they could close really well. It seemed like good racing, but for some reason at Talladega, they all stayed bunched up, and then they would separate into two packs, and then they would get lined up, and the the, the next pack would, and they would catch them right back in two laps. That's kind of how it's been since probably since about two thousand one, two thousand two. It's been that way, but I've noticed that. With this one, if everybody's in a single file line with this car, that last place car, he's he's losing the draft eventually. If he yeah, has to, eventually. if he has to check up or lose his momentum at all for anything, like if he bobbles a little bit in the corner and he has to, he just loses his momentum just by turning the wheel a little bit just to save it. He's going to lose the draft and he'll fall back all by himself. And in these cars, the draft, if you're in a line, you're fast. If yeah. you're following somebody, you're fast. If you're in a pack, you're fast. Single file is faster than double file. And double file is faster than triple file, which we, yeah. I've seen that before. I've seen double file packs catch three wide packs. It's, it's so funny. Single file lines are fast. And if you're by yourself, you're a lot slower. I mean, like yeah. 10 miles an hour slower sometimes. Yeah, and it shows on the racetrack, and you think, "Oh man, that's a slow car they're passing." No, he's just by himself. Yeah, if he's by himself, then he has no help. Even if it's like two or three cars, those cars are not going to go as fast as 10, 12 cars together. The more cars, yeah. the faster cars they are uh, in a single file line. They'll actually move faster than two or three will. And the last place car, for some reason, could not hang on to the line. And it was interesting to see to see that play out. I saw it a few times. And I've never seen that before this race. Right. Yeah. I can't say any more than that. Like, you just nailed all of that. <laughs> you know, I remember Harrison Burton had a problem with that towards... No, it was um, not Harrison Burton. I remember Noah Grayson had an issue with that towards the end of it. And he actually did pretty good for his first how they got started in the cup. Yeah, uh, I think so. And, you know, that was one thing that we were going to touch on last week. Um, <laughs> and we definitely did not even get to it. But uh, how right cool over. was it? Yeah. Yeah, how cool was it that we uh, saw a new sponsor in the Cup Series? Yeah, Wendy's, um, they had a bunch of uh, promotion in the infield, too. I think they had like a mobile mm-hmm. like party float, I think was what it was, yeah. a party float store where they gave out samples and $5 biggie bags and all sorts of weird stuff like that. And I think Michael Waltrip drove a golf cart around the racetrack. Or, I don't know. They had a, yeah. so much stuff. You know the big party I was telling you about last week in the infield? 
Wendy's was part of yeah. that. And heck yeah, they were. Um, yeah, we were talking. We were we were going to mention it last week because Wendy's uh, coming in was kind of neat because the car actually looked really mm. good. Well, I brought up to Ethan the last time Wendy's was in NASCAR, it was in the Bush series, which is now the Xfinity series. I'm gonna quit saying that eventually. So when I say Bush, <laughs> you'll just know automatically I'm talking about Xfinity series. Yeah. Um, because to me, it's always the Bush series. That's what I grew up with. It was in the Bush series in like 93 to 95. And I think Stanton Barrett drove it. And it was I a think you're right. black yeah. and yellow Wendy's car looked totally like a restaurant from the 1990s. Yeah. And it's it was interesting to see these sponsors back then come back because back then NASCAR was mainstream, but it quite wasn't quite as wasn't quite as big as it is now as far as the sponsors go. So when you see a big sponsor like that come in, you might have like four or five of them. But back then, you also had a lot of smaller regional sponsors and especially in the Bush series back then, because I remember Cheerwine sponsoring a car. Do you know what Cheerwine is? No. Cheerwine is a soda. Like a cherry cola type soda that is uh, made in North Carolina. Oh, cool. so of course North Carolina, the home of NASCAR, right? They're sponsoring a car. I used to think it was alcohol because I had never heard cheer wine. My grandfather had a diecast of it. It was a Michael Waltrip, I think, number twenty one cheer wine car. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it looked really cool, and I used to think it was wine. I actually thought it was mm-hmm. alcohol until I, you know, looked it up one day. I was like, oh yeah. It's neat. It's actually a soda. And you, actually, you can get them in our local grocery stores, uh, like Publix and Fresh Market. I think World Market might. Not World. Yeah, World Market has it, too. You can get little bottles of cheer wine in there. But anyway. That's awesome. So. I, I don't believe Wendy's has ever been a sponsor in Cup Series. Has it has it? not. That was the first time for that. Yeah. And people think that NASCAR is dying. <laughs> well, Wake up call. NASCAR is actually thriving with uh, amazing people like Michael Jordan, Pitbull, mm-hmm. um, you know, sponsors like uh, Wendy's, you know, coming in the sport. You know, of course, you have sponsors, you know, leaving the sport like M&M's. Yeah, um, I was about to say, we just got to find Kyle Bush a sponsor. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a little bit. All right. So before uh, I would like to talk about some of my personal stuff dealing with Talladega before we get into that yeah winner Ross Chastain what you think about his watermelon celebration I, I kind of dig that I I mean I'm cool with it that's you know it's really hard nowadays to find a really unique way to celebrate and t- kind of connect to the fans that are sitting there watching you yeah everybody's still um, on Kawiki's thing yeah you know, you know so you, to drive I backwards around the track or, you, or the front straightaway that's on Kawiki's thing everybody does that or burnouts I mean come on he smashes yeah, a watermelon yeah don't ask Dana Patrick what uh the Polish victory lap is <laughs> she won't know um no but I, I the watermelon that's that's unique that's cool. Um, you know, and, it, and it's personal to him. It is, you know, and, and his family. So like, that's, I think that's a really cool shout out, a uh, really cool way to celebrate. I just wouldn't want to be the one that has to clean it up, but you know, that's not, that's a, a good thing to worry about. I guess if that's the only thing that you're worried about, it's a good day to be Ross Chastain. I think it's funny that they carry a watermelon in a padded <laughs> suitcase everywhere yeah. they go. Yeah. I think that's hilarious. I hope they keep it on ice, you know, because oh, if you're after, yeah. after the race, after a hot day in Alabama and you win the race and you smash it, don't you want to pick up a piece of it and eat a slice of cold watermelon? Yeah. You know, he normally does. He actually yeah. Gave yeah. He was giving pieces of fans and stuff. I, I, I would have yeah. loved that. See, I would have done that too. I, I was wondering you know, after he did that, it's like, was he going to pick up any of them and eat it? I mean, we are in Alabama. I mean, I know I've been on the front porch barefoot a hundred times eating sliced watermelon. That's yeah. a, I mean, that's the national fruit in Alabama, you know? But, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I totally get it. Um, he, when he also won uh, at Coda, he did the mm-hmm. same thing. Um, he smashed the watermelon and then he grabbed a piece and and ate it. So, 
Uh, yeah, that's really a cool thing. Yeah, I, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger uh, Ross Chastain fan. I, man, he has been on a roll. Before he won his first race a few weeks ago, didn't he have like two or three top twos, top three finishes? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like third, third, second, second. I was like, goodness. He's just yeah, I believe it was third, third, second, something like that. Yeah, he's been uh, absolutely just on fire. And I haven't looked um, at the points. Is he actually leading the point standings with two wins? I don't believe so. I think Willie B is still the How can standings. he not be leading the points? Well, I mean, he's been really consistent, but that 24 has been on rails all season long. I'm pulling for Ross Chastain for the championship this year. Oh, my. I'm, I'm okay. pulling well, for him. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I'm pulling for him because he's been That's really it. consistent, and I like to do. Yeah, I think one day I'll, I'll, you know, cheer for him. When Kyle Busch doesn't race him? Well, well no, because <laughs> Ty Gibbs is coming up. So, um, I don't you know. You can cheer for multiple people. I never just had I, one driver. I've always oh, had well, multiple drivers. Well, listen. Uh, um, no, I mean, he's a cool, I like, I don't know, obviously I don't know him personally. He seems like he's a really, just a fantastic human being. I like the down, he, I like the hometown feel of him. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the down home, uh, like normal person look to him. Yeah, so I get that. A kid that grew I up just, with money, you know, racing go-karts at three years old. You know I, I mean? completely see. And I, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, he has that like humbleness mm -hmm. to him. I just something i just i'm not gravitating towards him actually i find myself not cheering for him and wishing someone else besides you know not joey logano but like anybody else besides ross chastain and, and that's not like a negative like you know i don't i hope he does well and i hope you know he succeeds and i felt this way about brad kozlowski i could not stand him when he first came in now i find myself cheering for brad kozlowski so it might be one of those situations where i just have to give me a little bit more Ross Chastain and I might come around eventually. I was on board with Keselowski with the uh when he came in because he immediately had like a few with Carl Edwards. And like I like oh, yeah. Carl Edwards okay, but Carl Edwards kind of seems off a little bit. Like thank you. Yeah. He he would smile at you. He would be all like in your face, like happy and smile. But the next thing you know, he could snap and just knock your head off. It, it kind of seemed he didn't. But do you remember that time when he was at Martinsville and he bowed up to Kenseth like that, smiling the whole time? His teammate? I, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, I he do seems, I don't know. He seems like he's got two different personalities going there. And I, I mean, I mean, I would, I'm not trying to like, diagnose anything i you know i'm saying i'm just he's something seemed weird with carl edwards and in one minute he's like yeah that's totally my fault with brad keselowski i cut him off and i knew you know if i come down he was either gonna hold his line or he was going to uh go under the line and i blocked him he he, he admitted it when keselowski yeah. won his first race at talladega of all tracks then he goes and spins keselowski out at atlanta and flips him upside down like, and then he uh, wasn't so like. And he was a lap know, down. About it. And he was a yeah. lap down too. I mean, he like waited on Keselowski to pass him. Yeah. And then he he did the retaliation at the end of the race. You could definitely tell it was definitely purpose. Yeah, it was purpose. You know, like he did it on purpose. 
and I don't know what he said in the interview, but it definitely was not the same interview that he gave at Talladega when he, you know, when he took all the blame. Uh, you could clearly see he did it on purpose, <laughs> and I don't know what he told the interviewer, but it definitely wasn't. Oh yeah, I was trying to get revenge. Mm-hmm. Something, but. something was weird with Carl Edwards, but anyway, he retired a few years ago, kind of out of the blue. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was surprised to hear that because I think he was actually running for a championship the year he retired. Yes, he was, and that I mean, you know, when one door closes one another one opens so that actually opened the door for uh daniel suarez mm. to come into the cup series yeah. and fail miserably <laughs> well hey so. he's not failed yet well, I he's mean, doing pretty first, dang good right now he's well the he's first pretty five consistent seasons. yeah but now he something about track house racing which is the teammate to rosh Chastain who just won the race they right. had one in 99 that's that's really neat i love the team numbers that kind of correlate with each other yeah because other than like the zero because in NASCAR, you can have like up to 110 different number combinations. You can have a zero, a one, but then you can also have a zero, one, zero, two, zero, three, all the way up to zero, nine. And then from then on, it's one, two, three, all the way up to 99. Ross Chastain and uh, Suarez, they have a one and 99. So pretty much one into the other. I love teams that do that with their numbers. I think that's always so much fun. Like uh, Gibbs for a long time, it was just 18 and 20, but then they added 11. 11 weird, but now they have 11. They have 18, 19, and 20, yeah. which that's neat. They just need a 17. They need to change Hamlet's yeah. number to 17. Do something with that. And they're not going to take 21 from Wood Brothers. Well, I highly doubt that they're going to get rid of 11. They're not. That was, it's, it's got that some was, lineage to it. but Well, that was JD's number, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, That's true. When, he, when he passed away, Danny Hamlin is, is his best friend. So I highly doubt seeing that number but like anytime soon. Penske, they had the 2 and the 12, and then they had the 22. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Like the, the staple was the 2, and then they added 10, and they got the... 12 and they added 10 they got the 22 this and then they had the o2 i think for a little bit too i, yep, I love they that they have a two and every single it's just my personal thing i i think it looks good when all the teammates have the same font numbers and they all kind of match yeah for That's sure and something i like oh for sure and before we get on another tangent so really fast if you were daniel suarez what is going through your mind right now about what Chastain doing so well, and you're just not quite there yet. Yeah, I mean, like Trackhouse is owned by Pitbull, and was it Justin Marks? I'm not even sure. So it's uh, Pitbull, the musician, mm-hmm. and he is co-owners with uh, a gentleman named Justin Marks. And last season, they they prepared this NASCAR Cup Series team. Daniel Suarez was going to be the driver. Uh, he did have a, a couple good runs. Um, I think Bristol Dirt, he almost won. Um, there, I think there was a couple others where he was running really, really well. And he just never really quite got there. Uh, this year, they add another car to it, the number one of Ross Chastain. We are, what, 10 races in? Yes, I think this was a 10. And Ross Chastain has won twice. And Daniel Suarez who has been in the cup series since 2016 2017 has yet to see victory. Well, racing is funny though, because I feel like you could have the best drivers in the world, but if the situation isn't quite as good as another driver, even in the same team as you, it's just not, it's not going to work out. The chemistry on the team's got to be there. And sometimes talent can overcome that, but not all the time. Like it, it, it reminds me of the uh, like the mid '90s when everybody went to owner operator mode. Right. You know, everybody went owner driver, 
uh, Ricky Rudd, uh, Bill Elliott did it. Daryl Waltrip did it. You know, these guys can drive, oh, but yeah. when they had their own cars, they couldn't win. I mean, Ricky Rudd won a little bit. I mean, Daryl Waltrip, his last one, I think it was 92. They just couldn't do it. But once these guys got out of those rides and got into something else, you saw Daryl Waltrip actually do something in a DEI car. You saw Bill Elliott jump in the nine and win four in a row. Yeah. And you saw Ricky Rudd have a resurgence at the end of his career because of that 28 car. It's all chemistry. It really is. And I mean, that's that's a deeper issue with owner operators or I say owner operators. That's a truck driving thing. Owner drivers. It's a deeper issue with that because you got so much more responsibility. But right. it's also a chemistry thing because like once Ray Evernham left Gordon, he was not the same. And I feel like it would have been that way with Jimmy Johnson if Chad Knauss had left. But that duo stayed together pretty much his whole career. So I don't know. I feel like certain crew chiefs, certain team members, car chiefs, whatever, they just they mesh better with certain drivers. And and then some, you know, I'll shoot off real quick on a uh, another part of that with, as far as crew chiefs goes, the Xfinity race this week. Saw Larry Mack return. Yes, sir. And he hasn't been a crew chief for 20 something years and he crew chief uh he he crewed the the car number three for jeffrey earnhardt and not they sat on the pole of that race coming off of 20 something yep. years sat on the pole yep. and finished second in that race you talking about a legend in the sport i mean larry mack looked like he didn't lose a step oh not at all oh man he is uh, how much of a legend is that guy an Alabama legend, too. Just, I mean, just fantastic. I love it because he's an Alabama fan, a Roll Tide fan. We were mm-hmm. we were uh, watching Trackside. Remember the old Trackside show that used to go on oh, Speed Channel? yes. We were there yes. live one day in the crowd for Trackside. And Larry Mack was up on the uh, on the stands and during commercial. Like, he was up in a, in a box because uh, mm-hmm. they were elevated a little, a little bit from us. And we would scream at him and say, Roll Tide, Larry. And he'd come down and looked at, he looked at us and he gave us a big thumbs up because we had the Alabama stuff on. And yeah. uh, I was like, that's so cool. He's just a down-home Alabama fan that's really, really good at what he does. And he crew chief legends. He crew chief yeah. Ricky Rudd. He crew chief uh, Dale Earnhardt. He, he, I think it was yep. the Daytona 500 victory was Dale Earnhardt. Was, yes, was sir. And, 1998. And he crew chief Davey Allison. And I think Ernie also. I think it's, Ernie and Dale a little bit. Dale Jarrett. I, I could be wrong about so. Dale. I'm not sure about Dale Jarrett. But I think it was at that 28th until about 94. 96 or so yeah but i'm not I, i'm not positive on that he's just one guy i just want to party with <laughs> he just i i don't know i i love him <laughs> he's like the one uh constant when it comes to nascar mm-hmm. yeah you had jeff hammond he's not there now Al, um alan bestwick which is in my opinion the greatest nascar commentator of all time you you on, he's actually doing okay, you're on your own uh you're on your own that opinion anyway yeah, go ahead i i will be I'll, that's <laughs> a hill i am willing to die on and alan bestwick is actually uh, calling races at srx yes he is now. yes he is so that's really cool um but you know larry mack he's been there literally the entire time yeah uh, i mean growing up watching nascar he was always either in the commentary booth on pit road, you know, or doing the al- um, analysis or, you know, whatever it is, like you hear his voice every single week. That was a good crew Fox had at first. Um, I oh, know yeah. a lot of people think that's the downfall of NASCAR broadcasting. Like from that point on, it's been awful, but I don't know. I, th- I think the initial Fox crew with Mike Joy, Larry McReynolds and Daryl Waltrip, I think that was fun. And maybe eventually it got old, but I think it was really fun at first. It was something fresh and new and I, I dug it. So I, I mean, I agree with you. I just, I absolutely hate the boogity, boogity, boogity. <laughs> Hated it. 
still hate it. Well, you know, it. now it's now it's turned around to where it's kind of like a nostalgic, right? Because he said it the other week, and it was like, okay, that's cool. He said it again. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I don't hate it. I, I don't hate it. it. It's something that you know you only hear it once a race. Yeah, that's true. Could you imagine like the very first time you know he says it? I don't think that's something that they you know they had planned. You know, I don't see Daryl Waltrip saying, "Hey guys, uh, right as soon as they're taking the green flag, I'm going to say boogity boogity mm-hmm. boogity." I think it just like happened. And could you just like so just saying it makes me cringe. Could you imagine being actually in the the booth and just hearing you know your colleague say boogity boogity boogity? It's Daryl Waltrip though. You got to let it go. It's it's DW. (laughs) Dude's a legend. I think I think it's it's funny. Um, I don't know. I I love DW though. Like in the commentary room. Oh, I love it. I just wish he would drop that. Dale Junior's really good up there too. But we. Before we go crazy talking about commentary, we could talk about that for an hour. I wanted to get into my personal Talladega stuff. So we covered the race and love it as always. I it, you rarely don't like a Talladega race, even when Daytona is sometimes Daytona sometimes a, a dud race. Sometimes yeah. it is because the track is a little tighter and it's kind of harder to pass there with the wrong package. It's it's rough, but Talladega always seems to be seems to lend itself to much better racing. Absolutely, it rarely is there a bad one. This would be just me. Uh, I'm just going to talk about my personal experiences with the track some. And when we get to other tracks that you've been to, I want you to do the same thing, okay? But Talladega is my home track. My first time ever going to a NASCAR track, not even a race, a track, was at Talladega. And it was, I think, 94. And my parents took me to a tour up here. So we went to the, uh, it was not a race weekend. We went to the International Hall of Motorsports Hall of Fame Museum, which is, Absolutely amazing. If you're anywhere near Talladega, it's worth the trip just to go to the museum. And first off, you see the track because it's right outside the track. So you see this massive thing Talladega is. But the museum has so much history in it. So we went through the museum with that without any crowds. And it was you could take any of the pictures you wanted to without having to worry about people being in front of you. And you can take as long as you want to with the cars. So that's my ideal way of seeing it. Isn't necessary on race weekend because it's a crowd there. We got an infield tour, like on a tram or a little bus or something wow. like that. And we were, that tour was going to include a lap around the apron. Oh my gosh. But there was a Harley Davidson series that was practicing there. And they were you actually, them the chrome horn, baby. They were running the infield road course part of it anyway oh. we we did part of it because you know there is an infield road course at talladega it's rarely used yeah. but there is an infield road course there and i think one of the old video games actually had that as an option you could race on yes they did you know what soda i'm gonna interrupt you real yeah. fast you know if i had the opportunity to go to talladega to take a lap around the apron and there's some harley davidson <laughs> uh, bike riders there you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give them a good old Bump drafting, man. Hey, I'm gonna say, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm making my lap, bro. Get out of the way. <laughs> they always give people the opportunity to drive around that racetrack and not just April. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Oh my god, I have done that before. Not, not just in like the NASCAR experience I, me- I mentioned last week, but yeah. in my street car, I've done it. <sighs> they had a. Uh, this is later. I was gonna. I'll, I'll talk about my first race in a minute. I was going to talk about this too. They had a, a thing. I think it was 04 or 05. 
I can't remember when it was, but they do it every year. Now they just did it a couple weeks ago. It was WrestleMania weekend. They did this too, where you spend 50 bucks, give us $50 per car for charity. It's all going to charity. And we'll let you take two laps around the racetrack behind a pace car. Wow. Well, heck yeah. It's at interstate speeds, but you're driving on Talladega super speedway. I don't you know? care how fast I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> and we had, we had bought a brand new car is a stupidest little car, but it was so good as far as uh, gas mileage and stuff goes. And it was so unique at the time. Now they're, they were everywhere. It's a, it was a 2004 Chevy Aveo. It was a hatchback version of this car because they had two different versions. It's just a little front-wheel drive four-cylinder car. This car was so weird looking for the time that we parked by a car show and one row off of it. And so we went and looked at the cars, you know, all these old muscle cars and, you know, souped up newer cars. Cool. All right. We walked back to our car. We had people looking at our car. It oh, wasn't wow. even, it was a little front-wheel drive four-cylinder hatchback, but it was 2004. And wow. not everybody had come out with one of those newer styles yet like that. People were looking, that's not a joke. People were actually looking at our cars. Like, what is this car? Like, and we were just getting it to drive off. Like, it's a Naveo. You know, it was a $12,000 new car. In 04, it was $12,000 new car. Yeah. And wasn't nothing to it. And it's so funny. People are sitting now out there watching, you know, looking at our car as opposed to looking at these Camaros and Mustangs from the 60s. But anyway, we took that car to Talladega because they had a thing saying, hey, if you have a ticket to the race, you can show your ticket and you can drive on our racetrack and then come in the infield oh. and you could meet Bobby Allison, Donnie Allison, Red Farmer, Eli Gold, you know, all these people there. It's like, oh, yeah. Heck yeah, let's do that. Good Lord. So we drove up there, made a day out of it. It come time for us. We got in line and we drove that stupid little four-cylinder car. I swear that thing was going to flip over. Yeah. On that, that was my next question. Yeah. It's, <laughs> hey, 70 miles an hour, it's rough. Oh, it's rough. Man. You can do it. I mean, you got you to be up on the wheel, though, but it's rough. You that, stay, oh again, you stay the lane off the bottom and the lane off the top, just like we, we did with the NASCAR experience. It's interesting. Wow. It is it's so much fun. And we were, I was going to want, I was, I can't wait to find a time where I can do it with my Dodge Charger. I want my Dodge are, Charger out. Are, are they still doing yes. stuff like yeah, that? They, they did a couple no. weeks ago. No. Oh, yeah. That's what you yeah. just said. Okay. It's now, that's nowadays, insane. it's like a donation thing. Donate 50 bucks and you can take your car out on the racetrack for a couple laps. Dude, I just, oh, man. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. I, <laughs> I'm I'm waiting on it to show up because it's not all the time. It's like maybe twice a year. I'm waiting on it to show up on a weekend. That I don't have anything going on because I don't see oh, it until man. it's like coming up for some right. reason. They don't announce this like weeks in advance. They announce it like the week of. Oh, yeah. And that's aggravating. I wish they would announce it a little further ahead. The first race I ever went to was 1995, and it was the spring Talladega race. And Mark Martin won that race. That was a really fun race to attend. They, uh, they didn't have a big one, and they had two big packs for most of the race. And uh, I don't know if you remember much about, or you you remember like learning anything about 94, 95, that time with NASCAR. But no. Sterling Marlin had something unique going on with his car and the, the four Kodak car. He had this thing to where, I don't know what it was. I think it was something with the exhaust, but every other car come by, it sounded like a V8. His car uh, come by, it sounded like an Indy car. Oh, no. Every time, every restrictor plate race was like that. A restrictor plate race being Daytona and Talladega. Nowadays, they don't use restrictor plates. They don't really call them. They call them plate races still, I think, but they don't really use restrictor plates anymore. They use something different. But back then, it was a plate that you would put on the carburetor, and it would restrict the airflow and gas flow of the car. So it would slow the, you know, slow the car down. And yeah, every time the four car come by, he would sound like an Indy car. And oh, I got to hear that yeah. in person because we watched qualifying on Friday. Yeah, and yeah, it was the same way. How how 
If I you're okay, hang on. How do you not notice that? Oh, everybody noticed. If you're nasty, everybody noticed. Okay, it. yeah. Okay. It's just there wasn't nothing they were doing illegal. They they okay. did something different with the exhaust, but it wasn't illegal. And they said, "Okay, yeah. well, your car sounds like an Indy car. Let's go." Uh, I, maybe they just didn't find it. <laughs> Whatever was illegal about it, but hey, you know what? If you ain't cheating, you ain't eating. I don't. You know, and I, you know the car was fast in '94 <laughs> because that was his first win. Daytona 594 yeah. was his first win in that four car. But I think oh, it was really? normal in 94. He won the Daytona 500 again after that. I want to say it was 95. I think he won 94 and 95 back to back. I think that was his first two wins. Oh, I did not know his first win was the Daytona 500. Yes, it was uh, kind of like Michael Walter. Like Michael Walter had this huge losing streak. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it got broke at Daytona. Yeah. He did the same thing. He had a huge losing streak and it got broke at Daytona. Well, I think his first two wins were Daytona 500s. Oh, I did not. Know yeah, I think that. it went back to back. It, I think it was a normal sounding car in 94, but 95, the Monte Carlo came around instead of Lumina. And uh -huh. that's when the car, his particular car, had a weird indie car sound. Yeah, it was very, very interesting. And his car was bad fast, bad fast. Yeah. But he got, he had like an oil line issue and he got taken out early because of that. But he come back and everybody knew his car was fast. So you had a group of guys out front, maybe about three or four cars out front, and then another group trying to catch the leaders, right? We're running out, running out of time. 12 laps ago or so, you got two separate groups, four or five cars and four or five cars. Yeah. They hitch up to Sterling Marlin, the second group does. Sterling Marlin catches that group. Oh, he is the reason why Mark Marvin won that race. He wow. pulled that group. Knowing good and well, that's what he was doing. We all saw it. It's like, oh, he's 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 trying to make a race out of it. He's like, I I'll get you guys there. Come on. So he, he took off. He hooked to that group and he pulled them right to the lead pack and coming to wow. the white flag, like literally coming to the to the stripe on the white flag. They, they got there and he pulled over and said, y'all have at it. Uh, it's it, oh, go back. It's awesome. on YouTube. Go back and watch that. It's the 1995 Talladega Spring Race. I think it's the Winston 500 back then. Or the uh, Winston Select 500. One of the two. The Winston 500 and Winston Select 500. But that was so much fun. And then it wound up making a scramble at the end of it. Mark Martin took the lead. Earnhardt got shuffled out a little bit. Morgan Shepard bumped him, and he spun off turn two. So I was cheering with that, too. So Earnhardt wasn't going to win the race. And I actually like Mark Martin, so he come around and won his first restricted plate race. That was such a fun race to be at. But since then, I've probably been five or six times, and I can't remember all the people that won. I know I saw Ryan Blaney win last time, and I saw Dale Jarrett win his last race. I was oh, there wow. in that race. I can't remember. I can't remember if I saw Jeff Gordon win. I can't remember if I ever saw Dale Jr. win. I feel like I would remember if I saw Dale Jr. I know I saw Clint Boyer win one. I think that was the race they tied the number of lead changes, the record number oh, of lead yeah, changes yeah. they just did. It was a tandem drafting era where they would – lock bumpers and literally push each other two by two yeah those experiences were they're incredible and we're going again this fall uh, oh absolutely yeah we're, awesome. we're gonna plan on doing the garage experience too because they just built a whole new garage thing in there maybe even check out victory lane after the race it all depends it all depends on how the passage in and out is because you can't really see the race from the infield unless you're watching on tv yeah. and do i do you really want to do that go to a nascar race and only watch it on tv no, of course not. you know what you i mean know, you're there for the experience yeah i know i i know at kansas speedway um they said that if you had like the garage pass um and at Kansas, there's like an underground tunnel mm -hmm. that leads to the infield. You had until the end of stage two to decide, are you going to be staying in the infield until after the race? Or are you going to be in the grandstands? And if you choose the grandstands, you cannot come back through the 
uh, the tunnel after the race. Yeah, we're going to have to get all the rules on this because I think that's the plan is to go down there for the pre-race stuff. Check out all the, the new stuff they have in there in the garage. And you could you could see it on yeah. TV. The you could, I know they saw they showed Red Farmer's car. We were talking about him last week uh, right there in the yeah. infield. There was, there's so much good stuff in the infield there. So many classic cars and uh, a big restaurant. All sorts of things. Real quick also, last thing I'll talk about with my personal experiences was the uh, the Dale Jarrett Racing School. Wasn't, you know, not really a school. It's more of an experience. But I got that one year for Christmas. And what it is is a, uh, how do I explain it? It's an experience where they have raced real cup cars. Cars that have raced before that are not being used anymore. Outdate, outdated, you know, they give away stuff. They sell stuff when they're outdated. They give them to these schools these experiences and people like me or my parents and my wife at the time pay yeah. stupid amount of money, stupid amount of money to jump in these cars and drive them around racetracks. They had that come to Talladega. So I got three laps at speed with an instructor oh. sitting beside me at Talladega the whole morning. It was a cold February morning. The whole morning I was nervous. Oh yeah. I mean, I, they, they joked about it. And I was like, God, he's not talking. Nobody's, he's not talking to nobody. He's like, no, I'm just, I'm in my thoughts. I'm in my head. I'm about yeah. to drive over 170 miles an hour around Talladega. I am in my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Because I, at this time I am an active race car driver, but it's mm. half mile dirt yeah. front wheel drive. You know, it's like, well, what am I going to do with this? Like, I, I mean, I know normal people just everyday people just get in here and they do this all the time, but I want to actually do it well, right. you know, I mean, I don't want to look like I'm an idiot or I'm swerving up and down the lines, you know, because some people stalled it because you have to shift the car. Yeah. You're driving the car. You have to know how to drive a stick. Some people were stalling it coming out of the pits. Oh, and <laughs> I, funny fact, I learned how to drive a stick in a race car. Oh, wow. yeah. My, the front wheel drive car I had in, in 04 uh, was a stick and I didn't know how to drive one. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going <laughs> to learn. So I was yeah. out there on the racetrack shifting first, second, third, shifting first and second in the pits, driving around a little bit, getting used to that. Out there on the racetrack, shifting third, slowing back down, second, third, slowing back down to second during the uh, pack ins and pace laps so I could figure it out. And I only messed up a few times. Yeah. I'll tell you, if you tell me, hey, you're going to go at speed three laps around Talladega with an instructor right next to you, I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look at that instructor and say, hang on to your pants, pal, because, uh, <laughs> Mama, I'm gonna go fast, <laughs> but then I'd probably be the one that stalls out on pit road because I don't know how to drive a stick. So, whatever. Team automatic. <laughs> and they um, then the instructors on those guys, those guys have to be God. They have to be brave. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, he's beside me, and I'm not even talking to the instructor. I am so in my my zone, my mind. You know, I'm trying to. <laughs> It isn't like I'm taking it too seriously. It's that I'm, yeah, I am taking it seriously. Oh you yeah, know, for this sure. isn't yeah. a goof thing to me. I'm actually driving a NASCAR on Talladega. So right. he tells me to go. I think his name was uh, Lane Hawk, which is an awesome name for uh, a race car driver because he is a race car driver. He's like a a dirt track modified driver in the area. What did you say? His I name think was? his name is Lane Hawk. Lane Hawk. I believe so. That is the most amazing name i have ever yeah heard. race car driver or not it, that's amazing it's pretty good isn't it <laughs> um but so you get out there and he they tell you which lines to go in second and third line middle middle two lanes so you're going back and forth between those and uh, uh straight away up high corner down low and you just go back and oh forth my gosh. and if there's a car at first lap i think you're taking it a little higher 
because the faster cars, if there's a faster car anywhere near you, they'll uh, pass you. Uh -huh. But for the most part, you're spread out. You're not passing people oh, unless you're gosh. coming up to speed because it takes a full lap for these cars to come up to speed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Surprised the mess out of me. I talked about last week when you go to the corner with the banking, you don't feel the banking. You feel the pressure the banking puts on you. Like you don't oh, feel the fact that you're sideways, like tilted. Oh. What you feel is the gravity pushing you into the seat and it doesn't push you across the seat. It like to the right out the window, like you think it would, it pushes you straight down into the seat. So you actually sit lower in the seat during the corners and then you'll get back up and you'll stretch and, <laughs> oh, and all that down no. the back straight away. And then you go back into turn three and it plants you back down again. And he is beside me the whole time. He puts his hand out there where I can see it. Gives me a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs up, thumbs down. As opposed to if he wants me to go faster or slower. I was not full oh, throttle. Okay. Oh. And I topped out at 172. I was not full throttle. These cars can oh, go full no. throttle and they could probably go 190. But, you know, they do their best to keep you that way. You have to have some kind of skill to be able to hold the throttle. You know what I mean? Hell you have yeah. to be able to... Um, control yourself a little bit in this car because yeah. he can shut it down if he doesn't like it oh they have a switch okay. over there on their sides so they can shut it down and after the okay. after the third lap is up he flips the switch and you're idling all the way back to pit road after oh, the start wow. finish line and then the car's quiet oh, wow. dead quiet now i can hear him talking he says man that was good that was real good you weren't swerving you were you were smooth between the lines you, you held a pretty wheel That's, man I'm, I'm ready to go more oh wow. like, oh, I, I appreciate it i tried <laughs> <laughs> so lane hawk was a pretty good you know feedback for you i wonder what lane hawk would do if he was strapped in next to me when i get halfway through the corner and start crying and try to get into the fetal position while driving the car <laughs> have you ever had any racing experience in a car whatsoever no i have not so this but is okay go ahead that might be changing it's let me tell you something. This is how that experience goes. What am I about to do? Holy crap. This is scary. Oh my yeah. God. We're going so much faster than I thought we were going just on pace laps. How am I going to be racing it faster than this? Oh my God. Yeah. The green's coming out. And then you forget about it. Oh man. And then you do I'll it. Tell you. It's like that every single time. Not the pace lap thing. That was the first time I went out yeah. there. I was like, we're packing the track in. Yeah. Like on dirt, you pack the track in. The track's muddy. Right. All the cars in the pits get out there and they, they, they pack the dirt in to make it raceable. You pack the track in and you're like, oh my God, we're going so fast. We're going to race faster than this. What's wrong with us? What is this? We can't right. do this. And then you start going, you're like, oh, okay. You don't think about it. You don't think about it at oh, all. It's it just, it's awesome. second nature. You just do what you know you do. But yeah. what's about to happen with you? Oh, I don't, well, so it's, it's just a conversation at this <laughs> point. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak on it until you know, it either happens or it doesn't, you know, I don't want to look like a fool or anything. So uh, to be continued. Okay. We'll just leave it as that. all right. Well, I hope that works out for you. Um, I sure do too. We got to move along <laughs> a little bit. Um, we're, yeah. we're running along here on time. Uh, you wanted to get into Kyle Bush and his career comments over the weekend in an interview that was uh, put on TV. Uh, what you got, man, what you going to say about it? So, Kyle Bush was doing an interview. I don't know. I know uh, Bob Pockris mm -hmm. was one. I'm not sure of the other interviewers. Someone asked him, uh, "Do you do you have a time frame of when you want your plans to be decided for next year?" 
Kyle said yesterday. Somebody asked him, are you getting fancy? <laughs> <laughs> he says, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> she says, not getting antsy about it. If it happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Goodbye. <laughs> so, I love this so much. So um, another interviewer said, so is goodbye an option? Kyle says, ask Joe Gibbs. Mm. Have you been knocking on his door about this? Kyle says, not my problem. So <laughs> somebody asks, so it's their problem. He says, got to sell it. If you if you don't sell it, there's nothing to have. Another person asks, it's about the sponsors. Kyle says, correct. Another interviewer says, uh, that's got to be frustrating, though. Kyle says, um, yeah, truck series is probably 95% kids with money. I agree with that. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Bob Pockris says, if you don't sign with JGR, Joe Gibbs Racing, is there another team who will sign you? Kyle said, probably not. I disagree with that, <laughs> but whatever. I think Stuart Haas Racing would absolutely uh, pick him up in a heartbeat. There would be somebody that would, yeah. Absolutely. Another question was, uh, they're not going to let you go. You know, They'll definitely figure something out, won't they? And Kyle said, ask Joe Gibbs. Uh, would you retire instead of leaving JGR? That's when Kyle got a little um, a little upset. Mm-hmm. And he said, really? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so um, they asked him, you know, what would you do? You know, he said, I would just say I lost my ride. You know, the, the cold trickle, cold trickle once said. Yeah, um, I, I thought so that's where he got that from. Yeah. So let's break that down. So Kyle Bush is an absolute talent. Mm-hmm. I... I support him in everything that he does, 100%. You know, um, a lot of people are saying, you know, he's very, uh, like, cold and callous with his answers. I just think he's kind of, like, fed up with the same questions, you know, that he gets from media all the time. I don't think it's a – it's not like a – he's not thankful for the position that he's in with Jokic Racing. I think it's just one of those things where he would rather have his contract for, you know, the next five years decided not this far along in, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. A lot of people are asking me, you know, what's next for Kyle Busch? Obviously, I have no idea. I don't think Kyle Busch is leaving jo- uh, JGR. I don't think Joe Gibbs is going to let him. I don't think so either. I think he'll move some money around, if anything, because there's probably some sponsors that don't sponsor individual drivers, and he'll move some money around to make sure that Kyle Busch is one of the ones that stays. Right, exactly. A lot of people say if you don't have a sponsor, you don't have a ride. And I think that's valid to an extent. If I'm talking about, you know, a Daniel Suarez, if I'm talking about, um, Cole Custer, maybe, you know, I think that that could be a, a very possible, you know, uh, thing to say, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have a sponsor, you don't have a ride. Kyle Busch is just an amazing race car driver. And that's not me just, you know, being a biased Kyle Busch fan. That's good. Yeah, we were just like, talking about his Richard stats. Petty record last yeah. week. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a really good driver. I think I'm really surprised Interstate Batteries hasn't stepped up and and you know, said something about it. But uh, Joe Gibbs did say that they're, I don't know, he said something about four, uh, the last four weeks, they're almost ready to sign. I, I don't know what he was saying, but it sounds like they're definitely uh, 
plans for him next year and probably the next few years after that, even though, you know, Mars candy or, or M&Ms is leaving the, the sport. So I think Kyle Bush will be just fine. I think he's staying at JGR. I hope so because, oh man, I just bought this 2019 Toyota Tacoma <laughs> just because 2019 and a Toyota. So if he, it'd be totally my luck if he ends up in a fourth. Yeah. Team. I'll go to Penske. Of fourth course. team. It's at like, Penske. all right. Yep. Jeez, <laughs> that's that would be hilarious. What's, what's your thoughts on that? I think Kyle Busch is staying right where he's staying. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't think that uh, it's Kyle Busch has a tendency to um, pout a little bit, <laughs> and the fact that his uh, deal is not done yet, it's bothering him, and he's pouting about it. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. And it'll get done. I, I wonder if there's any back, you know, behind the scenes animosity between him and Gibbs because it doesn't sound like they're on the best of speaking terms but i don't know maybe it's maybe that's how it needs to be for deals yeah. to get done and uh you know different perks between different drivers and stuff maybe that's how it needs to be sometimes but i think personally i think kyle bush has not been happy at jgr for a long time i wonder actually. how often kyle bush is happy because <laughs> If he doesn't win a race, he's unhappy. Yeah. Even he can finish second. Remember that big string of second place finishes he kept having? And yeah. you did, he would decline interviews because he was finishing second. Yeah. I mean, he's just a really emotional guy when it comes to not winning a race. So if he's, if he's ever not winning a race, I wonder if he's ever happy, honestly, because it doesn't seem like he's happy that often. Probably not. But like, to be completely honest, I, probably would be the same way you know if you can I, be happy with your circumstances and not win every race well if i okay if i was in nascar driving for a five-star organization with five-star equipment you know knowing that i could go out there and win every race if the handling if the setup if the pit you know uh pit stops were everything was just perfect mm -hmm. like they should be i should be winning every single race winning all these championships breaking all these records yeah i think i'd be a little uh, you know a little uh upset as well if i finished second or third i don't know if i'd be as upset if i was way off of my teammates yeah but he's not way off his teammates everybody at yeah. jgr is pretty much doing the same thing right now and it isn't like Truex and Hamlin and Bell are tearing it up. Everybody's doing pretty much that's the same true. thing. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I think he's going to stay right where he is. I think he's going to be fine. He'll he'll have some crazy new sponsor next year that we ha didn't see coming, or he'll have the same basic Joe Gibbs sponsor like DeWalt or something full-time. Something will happen yeah. next year, and I think he'll be just fine. If, if you had to guess... What would your number one guess be for his sponsor next year? Hmm. I think his main one's going to be Interstate. Yeah, uh, I could see D Walt coming in on several more races. Beyond that, I have no idea. I really so, don't. So I don't know why. I don't know why I think this. I have no idea. But if it's not Interstate Battery, Interstate Battery is going to definitely be my number one pick. I just have a feeling. But if it's not Interstate Battery, I don't know why, but I feel like sports clips. It could be. I remember GameStop you know. was a big one with them a long time ago, but GameStop's kind of yeah. going a little, little, little under since then. Yeah. But it could be. It could be. Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, I mean, Monster Energy did a bunch of stuff with them before. Maybe they'll come back on board. And uh, well, I know definitely he's not with. I know he's with Kurt <laughs> Busch now. They're with Kurt Busch now, but I mean, that could change. That could be two Monster Energy cars. There's two cars of a lot of things out there so hey soda i don't want to break your uh you know your bubble but <clears throat> right now i'm drinking a rowdy energy drink that's true he has his own <laughs> he can sponsor his own car what are we worried about oh no! 
Rowdy no. energy in the cup series. Heck yeah. Good lord. I would love that paint scheme. Oh, I'm leaving that all be that in awesome because I sounded like an idiot too. <laughs> I forgot. He had his own he has his own energy like, drink. I ain't worried about him. Like, He's fine. <laughs> We're all right. We need to move on. Let's go to Dover. Real quick, I don't have a lot of personal feelings about Dover. Uh, that's the next race coming up. Uh, yeah. My biggest memories with Dover is Kyle Petty winning his last race in the Coors car. I remember that. Kyle uh, Kyle Petty won a he won, cup race? He won his, he's won several cup races. Don't do that. What What do you mean? Mm -hmm. Two? No, he's won several. He's won several. Seven. Several. Several. I think it's seven. It might be seven, but it's several. It's more than two. <laughs> It's hey, more than a handful. I will figure this out. Right he now. won in the Mellow Yellow car. I think he won in the 7-Eleven car. He won in the Coors car. And I believe his last win was 95 in the Coors car. But I am looking this up right now. Keep looking it up. I'm telling you. Um, but he he won in the uh, pink and blue number 42 Coors car. And I believe it was 95 at Dover. That's one I distinctly remember. A big memory of mine. Because he always enjoys seeing someone that looks like they're never going to win again when they're win their race, win their final race. Like yeah. when I saw Dale Jarrett win his final race in person, that was so much fun. And um, uh, what did you find out? Um, no. So Kyle Petty has, what you, What was your guess? I would have guessed like maybe eight or nine. Yes, he has eight. eight. Okay. And I don't know why I compared it to another driver. Clint Boyer. Do you know how many he has? How many? Ten. Ten. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny, but I definitely do. Well, there's more races nowadays than it was back then for one. That's it. It true. is 36 to like 28, I think, at one point in the schedule in the early yeah, 90s, late true. 80s. And um, also back then you were he he wasn't ever really running for good equipment. Felix Sabatis was it was OK equipment, good enough to win eight races or six or however yeah. many he won in Felix Sabatis equipment. But um, are you talking about Boyer or Petty? Petty. Oh, Boyer's been running Childress say, and Stewart. Michael Walter Preston. I mean, he's had some pretty uh, decent equipment. Yeah, he just lacked on the talent. He um, was okay. He was fine. <laughs> oh, no, I ain't got a problem with Boyer. Boyer's fun. My parents. Well, not even just my parents, but everybody around here is Clint Boyer fans. And well, it's yeah, just by, in the hometown. You know, association. Yeah. Home state. So just to give, give the uh, listeners a little bit of a... Uh, so I live... Uh, probably about an hour and a half away from Emporia, which is where Clint Boyer was raised. Mm -hmm. So everybody around here is and very much anti Kyle Bush <laughs> and very pro Clint Boyer, which is, I just go. Why do they correlate against? Right? Why does anti Kyle Bush correlate with pro Clint Boyer? Did, did I, miss I don't know. I don't know. But you know, I'm not here, you know, to solve mysteries. I'm just here to uh, like. If anything, they'd be very anti Jeff Gordon, right? Because them two actually <laughs> had a scuffle. Yeah, Phoenix in 2011. That was fun. That was fun. Anytime, anytime a Hendrick car gets in the scuffle with somebody, it, it's hilarious. Because I Kevin Harvick and Chase Elliott. I'm not a big Hendrick guy in general. I just, I'm not. Yeah. Especially not back either. in the day with Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. I just, I'm not a big Hendrix guy. So whenever they get in the scuffle with somebody, I'd always pull for the other guy. <laughs> Shoot. Is there anything, uh, anything that sticks out with you about Dover and any, uh, past races and experiences, memories, anything like that? Yeah. Um, so one thing that sticks out with me is how hard the crashes are. Yes. How big the wrecks are. Yes. Yeah, it's it's tight. Of, it's a tight little racetrack. Joey Logano. Uh, I believe in 2009 or 2010, mm -hmm. uh, doing a tumble roll. That was crazy. That was his rookie year. I yeah, think. I believe so. And I, that would have been 2009. 
what other uh that huge crash with clint boyer and oh no was it mark martin i don't know right there on on the restart on the front straightaway honestly there's been uh, so many of them they all kind of blur together yeah i think the one i'm talking about was in the xfinity series i want to i don't know i know it was boyer who got airborne uh there's just been some really really bad wrecks most of them are off a of turn two. I don't know what it is about that turn. It's like the wall jumps out right there. And, and I know it's symmetrical. It's kind of the same way in four. But for some reason, turn four doesn't really seem as treacherous as turn two. I see right. a lot of shots of crashes facing the back straightaway where they have that that bridge that goes yeah. over the racetrack. And you can actually watch it from that bridge. Like that, that, that's got to be amazing. You can see the Yo, whole racetrack man. from that bridge and they come right under your feet. That's incredible. But yeah, they, um, they tend to wreck a lot off turn two. And when they do, they all get bunched up and the racetrack cleans itself and they all come to the bottom and it gets blocked and there's nowhere yeah. to go. And sometimes you see Talladega style big ones at Dover yeah. and they go yeah. so fast and it's such a tight mile racetrack and the crashes are vicious. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's because it's so fast. Mm -hmm. It is such a fast racetrack. And it's always been that, that way. Yeah, that like, you know, when somebody gets sideways in front of you and, you know, smoke starts to blur up your vision, well, hey, cowboy, guess what? You can't see and you're going 160 miles an hour on this really, really tight racetrack. Good luck to you, mm -hmm. pal. You know, like that's, oh man, that's exactly why I could never be a, a race car driver because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, that's crazy. I remember when this track was changed over to concrete. It used to be asphalt. I think 94 was the last year it was asphalt. 95, the race Kyle Petty won. I think that was the first year it was concrete. Because if I remember correctly, the old Papyrus NASCAR game, the very first one on PC that run on DOS, uh -huh. yeah. I believe it was the asphalt version of Dover on that game, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure I, I got that right. And I remember when it was concrete and everybody was like, this is weird. Yeah. It, it's just weird. Cause I don't even think Bristol was concrete yet at that point. I don't think so. It changed right about the same time, mm -hmm. but now, it was such a weird thing because they were saying, well, the tires smoke differently. They're not black. It's not black tire smoke. It's it's or something. I, I don't know. It was something weird because nobody had seen that before, but now it's kind of standard. There's like four or five tracks that are like that. Exactly. So for those uh, listeners that are, are, you know, listening to this, Explain to them the difference between asphalt racetracks and concrete racetracks. Well, I honestly don't know on a drivability, you know, how much different it would be. I know asphalt tends to um, asphalt tends to change the handling a little bit as the as the track goes. Like the concrete mm -hmm. is still rubber up, and you'll see right. the grooves. You'll see the black part of the racetrack where the cars are running right but asphalt is more temperature sensitive i believe exactly yes. yeah the more the hotter the day the slicker the, the track the colder the day the more grip it's got but tire wear goes down on uh colder days and it does hotter days yeah. because the tires will heat up more and they'll wear out faster on a hot slick asphalt surface but the concrete pretty much it's pretty consistent through the day and through the seasons from what i know mm -hmm. yeah so from what i'm understanding is asphalt is a lot easier to get uh, uh the rubber built up mm -hmm. so you have like a groove um which produces more grip for the tires of the of the cars so if you go to concrete it's going to obviously take a little bit longer um it's going to wear out your tires a lot more a lot faster 
Um, and even like what you were saying earlier is the different colors in tire smoke. If you if you have a car spinning in front of you, concrete is going to be a little bit more white, a little bit more uh, how do I say, fluffier? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, asphalt is going to be a little bit more darker and a little bit more like a gray smoke. So it's going to be a little bit harder. I mean, obviously, either one you can't see through it. So. Um, that's just kind of a little bit of the differences between the two. Also, with the uh, concrete surface it being white, look around. Watch the races Sunday. I, I mm-hmm. anybody listening to this show, watch a little bit of the races we're talking about. You'll have an idea of what we're talking about, and it's fun. It's exciting. It's entertaining. There's always something even in a boring race. There's always something going on that's a little, a little interesting. Because I'm not going to sit here and say every single race is going to be the most exciting thing you've ever seen. I've fallen right. asleep at Pocono. It's fine. Oh, man. Yeah. Michigan. Michigan, California, Pocono. (laughs) I've fallen asleep at these things because they get spread out and nobody touches nobody and and there's no cautions. And you're just like, okay, nap time. Dover's usually not that way. Dover's is usually something because everybody is like a conveyor belt. Everybody is right by everybody the whole race. Oh, yeah. So watch the race and you will notice exactly what this podcast is called. Marbles. Uh, Yes. In the marbles. Exactly. Marbles show up so well at Dover. Look right around the wall. A whole bunch of black dots right around the wall. All that tire wear just shooting to the outside wall and lands up there in the outside line where nobody can run because if you run up there, you're wrecking. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I think of. Uh, when you presented you know, in the marbles, the first thing I thought of was uh, Dover. Um, this racetrack is very unique. It's very, like we were saying earlier, very tight, very fast. Oh, it's crazy. And I am so excited to see it. I'm, so hopefully yeah. we get some long flag runs. And I'm I'm long, I'm one of these that uh, I like traditional style racetracks. I like the true ovals. Yeah. And there's not that many of them left on the uh, schedule. I think right now there's only, other than like the short tracks like Martinsville and Bristol, mile and up. I think it's just Dover and Homestead, if I'm not mistaken. What's Atlanta? Uh, Atlanta's a trioval. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. It used to be an it oval. It used to be an oval. It used to be like Homestead. It used to be exactly That's like true, Homestead. Yeah. They reconfigured that in 97, I believe. But yeah, I'm always a big fan of uh, true ovals. It's kind of a traditional way of racing. Uh, most every local track you go to is a true oval as well. It's just something I prefer. Straight line, corner, straight line, corner, instead of... yeah the dog leg in the middle of the track uh, front straightaway or the back straightaway or whatever. It just, it always something that appealed to me. It was more, more fitting to what NASCAR used to be in their traditions, but we need to go into our picks for this weekend. Now this past weekend, let me bring this up real quick. This past weekend, you picked Ryan Blaney. Yes, sir. And he finished 11th. And thanks to a last lap crash. Joey Locano. No, the last lap crash was Kyle Larson. I know. Mm-hmm. You was, want to blame Joe? Uh, just <laughs> Dinkelberg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kyle Larson uh, took out. Uh, obviously, he didn't mean to take him out, but he was blocking. And he blocked the 45 yeah. and the 23 right into the wall. Yeah, I don't know what was going yeah. on with that, but he was not clear on that he 45. Wasn't. My goodness. And uh, my pick, who was ahead of your pick <laughs> until the last, until the trioval, uh, finished 17th. So that put me back a little bit further behind you. I think you're closer to 10 now in your yeah. average finish, and I'm closer to 12 and a half. So, yes, sir. Dover, who do you have this weekend? I'll let you pick first. All right. So I'm I'm coming for the throat on this one. You're gonna pick Kyle Larson. No. Oh no. No. 
Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, he's he's one of those that's real. That's his first win, I believe, was at Dover. Yes, in the Bass Pro Shop number one for DEI. Yes, that's a good pick. 2008, 2007. That's a real good pick. I'm going to go with Kyle yeah. Larson if you're not picking Kyle Larson. I need I something. I need oh, something. You, and Kyle, this you is, got the Daytona 500. No, I need I need to rebound. I need I you to finish about 12th, 13th, and I need to win. Okay. Well, the way it's been trending with uh, Truex here lately, uh, I'm not very – I definitely had to think about it while I was at work last mm-hmm. night, thinking about it, and I was like, man, <laughs> it's either Larson or uh, maybe Chase Elliott. But Chase Elliott's a good like, one for this what? one too, yeah. Yeah, I was like, let's just go with it. Let's, you know, I was gonna pick Christopher Bell last uh, last week, and I'm glad I didn't. So maybe, uh, maybe I can get that first win. We had good picks Mr. last week. It's just it didn't work out at the end. But man, we were leading most of that race. You know, and the one thing I like about Martin Truex Jr. is he's so diverse. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he can get it done on you know Homestead, which is a true oval that you were just talking about, uh, road course, or even like Bristol Dirt and. Uh, which he actually did uh, win the Bristol Dirt Race last year in a Kyle Busch Motorsports truck, which I hope you were done with that segment because I'm going to go ahead and just follow up through uh, our giveaway. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. That we were, you know, we uh, kind of hinted around last week. So the giveaway this week is going to be a 2021 Martin Tricks Jr. Raced Win Bristol Dirt ARC 124 scale truck diecast car. Truck diecast, <laughs> not diecast car. Sorry, Ethan. I'm going to have to butt in. We made a mistake. Mostly me. I made a mistake because I'm the one running the Facebook account. On Facebook, we are doing the giveaway. It is going to be an exclusive giveaway just for the Facebook followers. But we can't do it the way we wanted to. So what we're going to do instead, we are going to create a Facebook post. It's going to have pictures of the diecast ready to give away. And all you have to do to enter is like the post. It will be up when this episode drops. And you are eligible to enter the contest all the way through to the checkered flag of the race this weekend at Dover. When that checker flag drops, the contest is over, and we will announce the winner of the giveaway on episode three. So once again, we will make a Facebook post, and if you like that Facebook post, you are automatically entered. We have a really small community right now. It is growing. We want to keep it growing. We want these giveaways to be to be really something big in the future. So if you see any posts you like, share it. When you see the giveaway post, share it. It'd be great to spread the word. And I hate that I had to step all over Ethan's giveaway because this is his deal. It's his diecast. I can't wait to see who gets it. And I'm going to go right back to the show. So before we get out of here, we want to thank a bunch of our uh, friends and podcast drafting partners out there. Who you got, Ethan? Yeah, so some of our podcast drafting partners, uh, of course, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Absolutely love those guys. I actually met them a couple months ago. Um, just the most amazing human beings. Um, Brian Breaker, a professional wrestler. Uh, big underscore Bane, the most talented underground rapper that I've ever met. He actually does the intro to our song, uh, intro to our podcast. Uh, Brian Breaker has a side project called You Know It's Fake, right? Where I was actually, you and I both have been uh, special guests on that show, right? We have. Yeah. An awesome show. I absolutely love it. It's a blast. Um, Breaker just hates 
spare time. Absolutely hates it. So he has a, a side side project with another good friend of ours, Travis Fowler, and that podcast is called TB Toycast. Definitely want to check that out if you're nostalgic about vintage toys or even current day toys. Um, really cool listen there. Uh, Mr. Uh, Big underscore Bane also has a side project on top of all of his stuff. Uh, it's called No Holds Barred with Bill Venus. And I know if you know, you know, Bill Venus is a legend. Don't, don't, don't you? Don't you? Agree? I agree. So I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So, I, I'm kind of Bill Venus in a way because I'm a uh, 18 year vet race car driver, but I've taken the last 14 off. <laughs> no way. <I> <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I was going to say it. Like, I'm definitely a, a Venus head. I, I love Bill Venus. Well, he is amazing. He is you can put it that way if you want to. Sure. <laughs> He's fantastic. Another uh, another uh, podcast that I absolutely adore, Tales from the Estate. Uh, Drew, Vinsel, his wife, and their two little kids, two little twins, Cole and Rocco. Always making cameos on their uh, newest episodes, and I absolutely adore it. And I'd like to shout out a few other podcasts. Uh, Fully Opposable Wrestling Figure Podcast with Jeff and Scott, a religious listen to me. I love that po- that, that show. That, that show introduced me to the community, uh, the Fig Life community and the uh, wrestling podcast community that I do listen to is how we met, actually. Yeah. Uh, Scott yep. also from there has a, a drunk wrestling history podcast. That's a fun listen to where they're not always accurate, but they're always drunk. That's yes. a fun show doing the favor also with Eric and Barry. That's, that's another good one. Two great guys there talk about sports and wrestling in general, positively pro wrestling podcast where they, they talk about, uh, past events and past, uh, experiences with wrestling and, and they keep it a positive in a positive way. And it's a really fun listen. I've met uh, Steve from from that show, and it's he, he's a great guy, great show. And real quick, I also want to shout out the uh, you talked about Breaker and Bane earlier. Bane's Outsiders Beard Company, Outsiders yes. Beard Co. It's excellent stuff, great sense, great products. And as always, I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I want you to please go to any podcast subscriber that you find us on. We're not quite on iTunes yet. We're on the rest of them. Please rate and review. Follow us on all our social media, Twitter and Instagram at In the Marbles Pod. Find us on Facebook. Like it, like the page, enter the giveaway. You can even listen to the show there if you'd like. Also, you can email the show at In the Marbles Pod at gmail.com. And if you find us the least bit entertaining, check us out on whatamaneuver.net. Whatamaneuver.net. That is where our shirt is. If you search the uh, store tabs, on the left-hand side, you will find In the Marbles. Our design is called Allison. I love the shirt. I got some coming this week. I'm going to rock it on Twitter and Facebook whenever it comes in, and we'll show you what it looks like. So, Ethan, you got anything after we get out of here? No, man. I just leave the listeners with a little boogity, boogity, boogity. So someone that doesn't Dang. like it. I hate that. Someone doesn't like it, you say it a lot. I Oh, it sucks. All right. Oh, it's so bad. All right, man. Well, that being said... <laughs> uh We'll see you all next time in the marbles.